Yes, I'm Jason Brazier, and I'm here on behalf of GCCS tonight. Uh, there we go. And we are a Christian counseling organization here. Uh, we're over in the Tyner area, and hopefully you've heard something about us in the past. Uh, it might have been just a five-minute quick plug, uh, but tonight I'm excited about getting to come and speak to you uh, in a little more depth about who we are and what we want to accomplish and some of the ways that we would like to be a resource for you going forward. But before we get into that, I'd like to talk about myself for a second uh, and let you know a little bit more about me. So, so who am I? That's me. That's our family. I didn't know exactly if they were going to be here tonight or not, but uh, they are, so you get to meet them in person. Um, I have been in the Chattanooga area for 12 years, and I've been youth minister at Red Bank Church of Christ for those 12 years. Uh, it's been a great place to live. I love Chattanooga, Tennessee, um, and I love East Tennessee. I've lived in Middle Tennessee growing up, uh, in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, went to school for four years over in West Tennessee, and I think, I think East Tennessee wins. Um, it's, it's great. We have loved it here. And I've loved particularly being at our congregation and being youth minister for 12 years at the Red Bank Church of Christ. Um, I came into ministry uh, through crisis in my life. And, and I want to talk about that briefly. Here's, here's a quick picture of me uh, when I uh, was young. When I was a senior in high school, this is senior night, Lawrence County High School, um, and I went on to stardom in intramural basketball at Freed Hardeman. Uh, I got to be on, in the social club Phi Kappa Alpha and play AAA basketball, the, the elites, you know. But, but I also remember other legends uh, like Joel Danley on the Smurf, uh, the Smurf team that I think was really, really good. The Smurf League is... Uh, six foot and under. Uh, that, that was a whole league for them, but I, I remember them dominating uh, uh, that league. So anyways, I, I love the Danleys, and I'm, I'm so glad to just spend a little bit of time with them tonight. Uh, I went to Freed Hardeman, this green, uh, very, very new to the whole scene, but there were some great people that I got introduced to. I, we went to church together for a little bit, at Stantonville Church of Christ, and I, I kind of look at Joel. He looks like my older brother uh, in in a way, and so it kind of associated this this older person. He was he was great for me uh, when I went there, and then Hannah was always awesome. It was great just to sit in front of her and hear her sing again tonight, uh, just her beautiful singing voice. So I'm excited that I get to be there with with them tonight. But let's go back to the picture, shall we? Um, it's a picture of me and my parents. This is the last picture, I think, of my parents together with me, um, not because they passed away, but because uh, four years before this, my parents got a divorce. Uh, and so they got together for this picture, and I don't even think at our wedding, I don't, I don't think we had a picture of, of, all of all of us together. So when I was in eighth grade, a uh, very difficult thing that happened to me was the, the divorce of my parents at a very pivotal, you know, stage of life in adolescent development. That eighth grade year, it's big. Uh, if any of you are there, it's a big, it's a big year. And that year of my life, my, my parents got a divorce. And it was, it was hard. It was super impactful for me. Um, 
it was difficult. And if you have been through a divorce or if you are a child of divorce, then, then you know this, this is very, very hard. And uh, things could have played out in a lot of different ways for me at that time. One of the things that did happen during that time was that I had a youth group that I was very connected with. Um, I had a youth minister that took me aside and understood that I was hurting, and he talked me through a lot of the difficulties that I was going through. I had some really close friends in that youth group that had been through some similar things, and they were, they were helpful for navigating that very difficult part of my life. So from that experience in my life, the course of my life kind of changed over the next few years where I, I decided I want to do that. I want to be that type of person, like uh, a youth minister who can speak hope into a situation that is difficult and dark, kind of like we just sang. I like that second verse of Till the Storm Passes Over, where Satan says there's not any hope and you should basically just give up. There's other people who come in and they say, no, there's light and there's a path forward through this. And so I decided in my life, I would like to pursue youth ministry. I want to help people who are hurting um, not just in divorce situations, but whatever it might be. I'd like to be an anchor for those in a time of storm. So I decided to do just that, and I went to Freed Hardeman. I pursued a, a major in youth ministry, and I, straight from that, came to Chattanooga, and I worked for 12 years at one place at, at the Red Bank Church of Christ, and it, it had been a great blessing for me. And I got to do that. I got to be uh, a helper for kids who who were in good situations, but also some that were in very difficult situations. And, and as I got into that and things started presenting themselves more and more, some of those situations, I quickly realized, man, I'm, I'm kind of out of my pay grade here uh, with some of the, the broken situations that were, were walking into the door. And you can, you can deal with difficult situations in a variety of ways. One of the ways that I, I did that was the hope and pray method, is what I call it, the hope and pray, that I don't have to deal with situations like this. I hope, I hope and pray that, man, I really don't have to deal with that. I know other people have, and uh, maybe, maybe they just won't come in, but that didn't happen. Uh, in walks into the door, these kids with difficult very hard situation. Some of the crises that that I saw while in youth ministry included poverty, lack of education, depression, low self-esteem, eating disorders, self-harm, suicide attempts, substance abuse, physical and sexual abuse. Uh, and then there were many situations where I did get to talk to kids who uh, whose parents were going were getting a divorce and. Some of them, it, it lined up right at the same time as me, and there were, there were times when I felt, yeah, I'm really, I'm really helping out, but then there were other times where I thought, man, I, I just don't know what I'm doing. And so I had many consultations with uh, Rachel Elliott at the time. Uh, she was a youth group mom, and I got to go to her. She, was a licensed, she is a licensed professional counselor. She works at GCCS. I said, Rachel, what do I do here? And she helped talk me through those situations, and, and it created a desire in me to realize that I can be helpful, but sometimes I can't because I just don't know what to do and I don't know what to say. Uh, and there is a deeper root to this that I, I'm not seeing, and I, I feel like I'm, I'm not pursuing this in the best way possible. So 
it created a desire in me to to want to keep helping kids and families through crisis, but I wanted to learn more and explore more about how I might be able to do that. So about two to four years ago, I started having an open conversation with our elders at Red Bank to decide I would like to go back to school. I'd like to take counseling classes. I'd like to pursue this path to keep helping families in crisis, but in a new and different way. So. So that's what I decided to do. And as I've pursued this path, it's been kind of, okay, what's exactly this going to look like? But there's been, throughout the whole process, affirmations that, number one, the need is absolutely there for counseling. Um, and so I want to get into that for just a second, that, that the need is there, and I would say it's only growing for there to be good counseling. And uh, we're going to get into a second that this is a biblical concept, but I want to start from my um, home base of the kids. Uh, that's, what, that's what I've been doing for 12 years, and uh, how, are our, how are our children doing? And there's been a lot of research and a lot of things in the news recently that you've probably seen the kids aren't doing so well, are they? Uh, there's a lot of struggles and a lot of difficult things going on. Um, I think this was March 2016, this cover of Time magazine um, that, that talks about anxiety and, and depression is on the rise and it's continuing to rise and rise every year. Uh, subtitle uh, to this, the kids are not all right, is what, is what this said. Um, they're, they are experiencing levels of depression that we haven't seen before. Uh, we've got more and more stuff, uh, and we're living, we're living in affluence in a lot of ways, but we're, we're just not happy. Um, and so anxiety is, is an epidemic right now. We've got tons of epidemics uh, right now. We've got the opioid epidemic. We've got all sorts of epidemics, but one of the major things that can't be, be denied is that Anxiety and depression is on the rise, and it's particularly on the rise with young people, with our younger generations. Um, and so we can try to figure out what all's causing that um, and look at how we might be able to treat that. But the, the point is that it's on the rise, and what are we going to do about it? Um, so uh, we want to we discuss some of these things. So technology is something we've been looking at a lot in uh, in my graduate school and some of the classes I've been taking, but I've been doing a technology in the home class right now at, at Red Bank on Sunday mornings. Um, and we've been talking about a lot of different things. We've been talking about proper ways to connect better. We're losing some face-to-face -face, uh, conversation, this, these skills that, that we've lost because we, we do this all the time. We do this a lot. We're losing some really important things. We're, we're losing the ability to develop empathy correctly and all sorts of ways. And then, obviously, uh, we know we didn't talk about it in the past as much, but it's almost a, a something that is assumed now, just the dangers that come with too much screen time and the avenues that that children are exposed to, dangerous things, and not just children, anyone. Um, but... Uh, pornography is is an an epidemic as well. It is the the highest um, growing addiction um, that there's ever been in in a particular segment. This 12 to 17 year old um, uh, male segment, 
We were, we were talking this morning in our class, and, and we've talked about the importance of safeguards and the ways to, to connect better with our kids, and, and we've been developing these family tech plans uh, and, and discussing those and what, what works best for your family, how can we connect better, how can we keep our children safe and, and all that. And when we started the class this morning, someone said, I just want to stop for a second and uh, tell you that we're all about this. We've enjoyed this class, but earlier this week, our son... Um, gets this text. He just recently got this phone. He said, we just got this text and it said, it was to a group and it said, hey, I live in your neighborhood and click this link. And, um, and um, so he clicked this link and it, it brought him to a site that had pictures that uh, he didn't really need to see. And, and he was obviously ashamed and, and worried about that, but he went and he had a conversation with his mom. One of these 12 year old boys went and had this conversation with his mom. And I think that's a giant, you know, that's a terrible situation. Uh, that's scary and that's dangerous. And, you know, uh, we have all these safeguards and all that. And then at the end of the day, it's going to happen, uh, which is a sad, scary thing is that you can't guard your children and, and these young people from the dangers that are going to find them. But what, what was very... Uh, exciting about that was that this child had developed and their relationship was strong enough to where he came and he talked to his mom about this dangerous thing in his life. Because I can look back at 12-year-old Jason and I can imagine a time when I did that and I wouldn't talk to my mom about it. Uh, I would hide it. Uh, I did hide it. That, and that created many problems for me going forward. Um, so the point is that technology and, and all sorts of our modern culture are going to be throwing things at our kids, at our marriages, at whatever it's going to be. And sometimes we're just going to have to have some very difficult conversations about how we deal with this. Um, and we're trying to do that. We're trying to, to have these conversations about things may be bad. And, and quite frankly, they are in a lot of ways. What are we going to do about it? I think that the need is there. I think, um, I think we are in a special time and space where technology is, is allowing us to do a lot of things, but it's also distracting us from a lot of things as well. So kids, uh, how, do you, how do you feel about this average? Are you living in this average of uh, eight to 10 year olds in the U.S. spend around eight hours a day in front of a screen. What about you teenagers? Are you in this, this, this uh, 11 hours per day average? Because it's not fair really, because how many of you have uh, your computer for school? Do any of you have that? Do you like have to have a, a computer for school? So does that count? You know, that's not bad screen time, is it? No, no, we're not, we're not accusing you or trying to make you feel bad. But this is just the world that we live in. Uh, we live behind screens most of the time, and, and that's just the way life is. Um, so the thing that we have to assess, though, is are we still able to talk to each other? Are we able to have a conversation? Because this, this next stat is pretty scary. Parents spend around 37 minutes each day face-to-face -face with their children, Okay. Um, and I recently went to a conference where the presenter uh, showed, showed this, and she had written a book about uh, digital addiction. 
And she said, this number may be a little bit high, uh, is what, what she was saying, uh, on average. Um, and this is scary because we're, we're losing things where all of our answers come from Google. <laughs> and uh, they, they, we can find what we need here, and maybe we don't need this as much anymore. And that's, that's scary. I also recently had a conversation with a relative, um, uh, a, a friend and close, close family member of mine who's just distraught uh, because her parents are very, very seriously considering divorce after 30 years of marriage. Um, and she said, and they just come home and he goes downstairs and he watches his TV shows and she stays upstairs and she watches her TV shows. And I'm not saying that TV is the cause of their marriage. I'm just saying somewhere along the way, we got okay with not talking to each other. We got okay with going to our own islands and not dealing with the difficult brokenness that is actually destroying us. And you go do your thing and I'll go do my thing. And that's not okay. Uh, we need something and some process to help us come back together and restore what is broken. That's for young people. That's for old people. That's for everyone in between. And I think that's, that's important. Tim Clinton, the president of the AACC, the American Association of Christian Counselors, says this. He said, is the Earth's population exhausted by the pain, pace, and pressure of modern living? living? We believe that the past 100 years has created a sea of change in the hearts and minds of seekers everywhere because the grand promises of technology, information, and wealth have proved to be empty lies. I think we're waking up to this. I think we're waking up to the need that all of this stuff that the world is saying is going to satisfy us hasn't. It hasn't satisfied us. He goes on to say that people have more physical prosperity than ever, but their hearts remain empty. They instinctively said something is wrong with the promises, and out of this vacuum, many are turning to God. We believe the future of effective caregiving belongs to those who dare to present closer to the heart of God and apply treatment strategies that are firmly anchored in scripture and divine revelation. We think, as Christian counselors, that people are waking up that God really does have the answer uh, to what is uh, wrong with us, what is broken inside of us. A recent Gallup poll indicated that 90% of Americans still believe in God. And additional research shows that deeply committed believers seek counselors who explicitly incorporate prayer, the Bible, and other faith-based resources into their therapy. In every generation before and currently, care seekers have looked first to their preacher or pastor or priest or rabbi. And even though that secular resources have expanded enormously in the last 60 years, I think counseling is it's something that's growing and growing in the secular realm. But also people are saying we cannot deny spiritual wholeness as a key component to, to, to creating a path towards healthy living. Um, and so uh, we want faith to be addressed, and people want their faith to be addressed. And usually the first stop is to your preacher or to your elder or someone at church that you trust uh, to care for and, and know that, that they have 
uh, your best interests in, in heart. So I talked about this, this idea of good counsel is needed, uh, but it's not something new. It's not something new right now. It is biblically grounded. The book of, of Proverbs alone has many uh, important things, wise sayings about counseling, and it says, uh, Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. It also goes on to say in chapter 12 and verse 15, the way of a fool seems right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Uh, fifteen twenty-two. without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. And Proverbs 19, 20, and 21 says, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Many are the plan plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Also, one of my favorite passages uh, from the very beginning of the book of Psalms, it talks about if you, if you reject bad counsel, but you, you hold on to what is important, important you can stay planted and and firmly established it's, it says this it says blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers but his delight is in the law of the lord and on his law he meditates day and night he is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in seasons and its leaf does not wither so I believe, because this is what I'm doing and I'm pursuing, that counseling is important. I think it's biblically uh, uh, backed up that, that this is wise for people to pursue. I think it's needed more and more. Uh, we're, we're waking up to the, the idea that we need to talk through these difficult things. Um, so I want to talk again about who is GCCS and, and how do we want to meet that need. So. Greater Chattanooga Christian uh, Services is a nonprofit, faith-based Christian counseling service, and uh, we want to be affordable. Uh, we want people to have access to it because sometimes counseling can can be very expensive. If you've ever sought it and you've you've looked for those sources, um, we want to be a place where if people need it, we can provide it. Uh, we. We do have a counselor, uh, Rachel Manning now. Uh, she, she is uh, our licensed professional clinical director, licensed professional counselor who is a clinical director. She has over 20 years of experience in counseling. Um, she is, let me go back. Uh, the, these are the services that, that we offer, the different types. If you know of someone who, who is in need in, in one of these areas, um, there, there is a wealth of experience that, that has dealt with, with those uh, situations. The contributions that, that we have from area congregations allow us to have a very generous sliding scale. Um, we want to provide affordable, professional counseling to those who need it. Uh, so whereas the national average for counseling is around $90, I found uh, through research, uh, we are significantly less than that. Um, and so we, based on income and based on need, we want to be able to provide uh, counseling for those who need it. And we want to provide faith-based counseling for those who need it. Um, 
So that's the main thing that, that we try to offer, but there are some things that, that we are also wanting to grow in our organization. I want to go over some of those now. Uh, you, saw that, you saw that slide earlier. Um, so some ways we're wanting to grow right now is that one, we're adding a new counselor, and that's me. Um, and so I'm pretty excited about that. Currently I am intern, um, and I'm finishing a master's right now. We'll, uh, get that in a couple of months, and then this next year will be the process of me seeing clients at, at uh, Greater Chattanooga Christian Services, uh, gaining clinical hours uh, to be able to pursue uh, a license by the state of Tennessee to become a clinical, uh, a clinical pastoral therapist in the state of Tennessee. Um, and so that, that is my journey to keep growing and, and keep learning from uh, Rachel, who will be my supervisor there, Rachel Manning. Uh, so that's one thing that we're wanting to do, uh, to be able to see more people, uh, to be able to meet more needs of, of those that, that are in our area. Uh, also, something else we're doing right now is we're updating our space. Uh, just like uh, a lot of old buildings and old homes that you know of, know of uh, sometimes renovations need to be done, and it's been years since uh, we've had some updates, and we're currently in the process of that. So if you come, uh, mind the mess uh, if you come soon, but uh, we, we want to update the space and, again, have a professional uh, atmosphere for, for our space. One of the things we're excited about doing more in the future is hopefully building a better bridge between us and the congregations that uh, we want to, uh, to help out, that we are supported by, and, and have a better relationship going forward. So, so that will look like uh, speaking opportunities like we're doing right now, uh, but there's also workshops and seminars that we're wanting to provide our area congregations. I, I wish I would have made a slide about this, but I sent my slides in early. I'll just list those uh, for you, some of the things we're, we're working on for this, this upcoming year. Uh, one of those is marriage retreats and seminars, some, some enrichment of, of the, the marriage um, so that that will bless the family because if marriages are strong, then families are strong and kids will, uh, will be blessed through that effort. So we're working on a seminar and a retreat right now called Making Family History, but it looks like his story. Anyways, uh, so uh, that's, that's one we're, we're working on. Also, this uh, technology seminar that we're working on that can either be a one-day seminar or it can be a four-week class that we come and teach uh, is navigating our digital world. Another one uh, about building deeper relationships and connections and, and all that um, is called building connections. Uh, another one is preventing minister burnout that we're hoping to, uh, to offer to area ministers, elders, leaders, um, helping helping people to be able to go the distance in ministry to not be worn out, worn down. Um, and then something else we're doing is we're updating our social media. So if you are uh, on Instagram, if you're on Facebook, go to our page and give us a like if you don't mind. We're trying to, I'm trying to update that and uh, make sure that people see us and they know that we are available. Um, so if you know of anyone who has one of those needs that you saw on the previous slide, we want to be a blessing to those. We want to be a resource. Again, we know that uh, a lot of times you guys are the first responders, so we want to empower you better going forward. 
Uh, we want to have a better relationship where we have a back and forth, not just, hey, send us your people and, and send us some money. That'd be great, too. Um, but uh, we want to have an ongoing dialogue with you guys because you're the ones that do the counseling. You do counseling uh, like I've done counseling for these past 12 years. Um, but we want to we want to be an expert resource for uh, for you guys if you need it. Um, so I want to end uh, with this, another one of my favorite verses, Galatians chapter two, chapter six and verse two. It says, carry each other's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. I think it's so important that we, we see this verse for what it is. Because a big part of my life, I didn't see it like that. Instead, I spent a large time of my life thinking that the best way to deal with my burdens was to figure out how to hide them. To, to be able to convince people that maybe I didn't even have burdens. I did. I did have burdens. But a lot of times it was, it was the process of putting on a face, of making people think that I had it together. Um, it's almost like we convince ourselves that there's this second gospel, not the, not the real gospel, which is that Jesus came to die for our sins. Um, the second gospel is if I can just hide it, if I can just not get caught, then maybe I'll be able to deal with this. And the problem is, that's not the gospel. The gospel, the law of Christ, is that there's healing. There's healing from Christ. Uh, if we are able to, to confess, to, to have a conversation with God and say, I acknowledge this and I want to do something different with it. The problem is, too often we, we hide it or we, we go somewhere else to try to find a better path going forward. And that leads to... Things that ultimately hurt us. That leads to an addiction. That leads to something that we think will fill the gap that never will. And this says, the way to fulfill the law of Christ is to carry each other's burdens. And tonight I want you to, to fight through that urge to, no, I, I want to hide this. And tonight I want you to convince yourself to, to help Fulfill the law of Christ by sharing a burden, by letting someone else share your burden. Uh, there are people here that are sitting beside you that also have burdens, but they would be a great resource for you to unload, to be able to take steps in a better direction. Uh, there, are, there are leaders here who will pray for you, who will uh, help you to, to move forward on your path to wholeness. Um, and I, I want to beg you to do that. Don't get better at hiding it. Find a way to unload it. Find somebody to talk to. And again, if you want to use us as a resource to talk to, we believe highly in confidentiality, and we have, we have uh, a little bit more knowledge in, in certain areas, and we'd love to, to be able to, to partner with you guys going forward. But there are great paths uh, for you to be able to, to share each other's burdens uh, and thus fulfill the law of Christ. If you have any needs tonight, someone would, would love to pray with you and for you as we come together and we stand and sing.